0: Hello and welcome to Nevermind the Bar Charts with myself, Mark Pack. Welcome also to Jess Blair, Director of the Electoral Reform Society's Welch Operation. I've asked her on following the Welch Senate's recent vote to allow councils decide on switching to STV for their elections in the future. So welcome to the show, Jess.
1: Thanks for having me. Really exciting.
0: Now, in that legislation that I mentioned, there was quite a bundle of different electoral reforms, not just the to the likes of you and me perhaps the headline catching element that <laughs> tv so just to get us going can you run through what the overall package of electoral reforms was
1: yeah so in november this year the welsh parliament voted to pass uh it's a really snappy title the local government and elections wales bill uh fascinating <laughs> i know um and there was a bundle of massive reforms as you said in there uh, that should be quite exciting for kind of the future of local democracy in wales um One of the big ones is uh, obviously the extension of the franchise to 16 and 17-year-olds for local elections. Now, that's already in place for uh, Welsh Parliamentary Senate elections and will come in uh, next year, but it means that the franchise is the same and it's also been extended to all qualifying foreign citizens uh, resident in Wales.
0: So just on that point, that's relevant that we've... Uh, Britain having left the European Union, that the, the mm. voting rights that EU citizens have had by virtues of being EU citizens, there's been a big question mark over them. So in Wales, for the elections under the Senate's control, those rights are basically all being protected and retained, aren't they?
1: Yeah, so everyone in Wales above the age of 16 who is resident legally in Wales will have the right to vote. So it just really brings that franchise... Um, I guess, to be more complete and ensures that people aren't disenfranchised because of any kind of complexities of leaving the EU and extends it beyond that to um, residents from other countries as well.
0: Yep. Excellent. Sorry, I interrupted your flow there.
1: (laughs) No, that's okay. Um, Yeah. So the other thing in the bill that's really exciting, I think, is that there's early provision in there around automatic registration for voters. So it's not... um, not kind of ready to be enacted yet it needs further work to be done uh, around a digital register but when that has been done in theory um people will just be notified that they are being added to the register they won't have to apply which i think is a massive step forward in terms of making sure our uh registers are a lot more complete and people you know don't turn up to polling station mm-hmm. on election day thinking that they're registered when they're not um
0: and i think there's, there's a really there's a subtle but i think really important impact of that which is that Although when an election comes around, a lot of people then do get motivated to register. Mm. So I think the evidence is perhaps a little bit of an open question as to how much of a difference it will make to the number of people who are registered by the time we get to polling day, having this automatic registration. But crucially, political parties use the electoral register in between elections for targeting their campaign activity. So if you're off the register until just before an election... Chances are you will be missed out by political parties. They won't necessarily try and call on you to speak to you. They may well not send you direct mail, etc. Some people, I guess, might like that, <laughs> but overall, it makes for a, a worse democracy if political parties are essentially ignoring people uh, for mm. you know the bulk of the bulk of the year. And so, I, I, I suspect that even if the from the point of view of the direct uh democratic involvement on election day, even if that reform doesn't make a huge difference, there's a much more subtle but really important long-term impact of people being properly engaged sort of year in, year out.
1: Yeah. And the the really good thing I think is that especially with 16-year-olds uh being able to register and attainers mm-hmm. being able to sign up at 14, um what you're going to get is uh, basically an integration of systems. So when people are getting their first national insurance card Mm. or applying to the DVLA for a provisional driving licence, you get that kind of integration of systems. So it should be a lot easier to get young people in particular on that register.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay. anything else in the bill?
1: Oh, there's loads. It's it's quite a hefty uh, package. Yeah, um, I, I was so...
0: surprised how long it is. I, I thought, you know, it'll be STV, 16 and 17 year olds, maybe a couple of other things. But then it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm only talking about part one, which is elections. There's about five off. I think there's seven parts of this bill. It's it's huge. Um, there are some other things in there that I think are quite exciting. Um, some early steps around diversity. So things about job sharing and council mm-hmm. cabinets, I think are quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, it doesn't go as far as we would like in terms of diversity, but it's definitely making kind of early inroads there. They're also putting a duty on councils to come up with participation strategies. So I think hopefully this bill is kind of thinking about democracy in the round and how to get more people engaged and participative in democracy, which can only be a good thing.
0: Now, the headline, I guess, in it is 16 and 17-year-olds plus the possibility of STV for council elections. Now, obviously, for the likes of you and me, STV is self-evidently a good thing. (laughs) Uh, But for any listeners for whom STV is an acronym... Um, and maybe even for older listeners, they may be thinking Scottish TV. Um, do you want to just briefly outline what's what's so good about STV compared to the existing first-past-the-post system that's used for councils in Wales?
1: Yeah, so I'd say our council elections in Wales have, um, what's the word, been problematic at <laughs> best. Um, at the last election in 2017, there were 93 uncontested seats. Um, our you know, our, our local authorities are pretty uh, pale male still just 28% of councillors in Wales are women. Um, and we've got massively disproportionate results. I've got a couple of examples here. I uh, don't know off the top of my head, but um, in Cardiff, Labour received 39.5% of the vote, 53% of the seats. Conwy, Plaid Cymru, 8% of the vote, 17% of the seats. Conservatives in Conway took 37% of the vote, but just 27% of the seats. So we know that there's a problem there. And it's hoped that... Um, Stv, the single transferable vote voting system, will be able to address some of this. Um, so, Stv is the system used in Scottish local elections. Since it's been introduced there, we have seen much more proportionate results, less of this kind of random results that first past the post, the current voting system in Wales ensures. Um, there are massive links of diversity. You can integrate different kinds of quotas into STB. Uh, and ultimately, it reduces uncontested seats as well. So I think in the last Scottish elections, they were just free compared to 93 in Wales.
0: Yeah, and I think that's particularly important for parties like my own. yeah, you know, the, you know, the number of candidates the Lib Dems put up at the last set of elections is not nearly as high as I think we would wish it to be. Mm. And part of it is that if you feel there's a ward that, say, a completely rock-solid, safe Labour seat. For any of my colleagues listening, it's nonetheless absolutely right that we should try and put up a Lib Dem candidate because that's what democracy is all about. Mm -hmm. But you can see why busy volunteers, and with lots of other calls on their time, end up not quite prioritising that. But if that ward ends up part of a larger STV ward where there's a chance of getting a Lib Dem elected, suddenly... The incentive to put up candidates and therefore give voters the choice which in the end is the really key thing i can see is is you know is there and, and it seems like stv has worked pretty well in scotland i guess i think for me the the real plus point is that when we had that horrible av referendum back in 2011 av was in part voted down because people were persuaded wrongly that av was somehow complicated foreign difficult expensive and if we end up with people normalised in STV, in Scottish Council elections, hopefully soon in Welsh Council elections as well, it's a lot harder to make that sort of argument in the future. You know, Even to somebody who's really London centric, being told that this is what Scotland and bits of Wales do sounds a lot less threatening and foreign and different than this is what Malta does, with all due respect to Malta. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, and I think that's the point about the permissive PR. So this is the fact that councils will be able to vote to choose to move systems rather than it being pan Wales. And obviously we would rather it be pan Wales but the way that the ministers approach this, uh, Judy James, MS, the uh, Minister for Housing and Local Government, she's very much said that having a couple of councils take the lead on this in the first instance will show the others that are, you know, really scared of the unknown that STV really isn't the end of the world and it will diffuse all of these kind of fears. It will show that voters can, you know, it's a very easy system for voters. All they have to do is literally rank candidates in terms of who they like the most to who they like the least. Um, so having it kind of in practice in Wales will really show other local authorities who are maybe kind of tempted but not ready to dip their toes fully into the water yet that this really isn't the end of the world it's a good thing it's a good thing for voters it's a good thing for uh the results that you get in terms of a more um fairer vibrant diverse uh, local authority
0: and i guess it means the next thing on your list of campaigning objectives is is now to persuade some councils to take it up um I think the fear that certainly I've heard some people express is that the councils that most need STV will be the ones most resistant to it. If you've got particularly one party power on a minority of the vote, well, that one party is going to say, let's keep the electoral system, uh, you know, quite likely. Um, So what's what's your view of the outlook for persuading councils now to use the powers that they've just been given?
1: I'd say it's a very long term one. Um, So these uh, provisions don't come in for three years after the bill is passed, just due to the fact that boundary commissions etc in Wales need massive reform, there's two elections coming up, so we need to get those out the way, and then we can start having conversations with local authorities about actively turning. Um, To SDB. What we're doing in the meantime is already speaking to councillors, already engaging with them. Uh, We did a big survey last year, uh, kind of getting ahead of the game, and 25% of all councillors in Wales responded. And actually, the outlook there, even though it's self-selecting, obviously, was a lot more positive than we were expecting. We thought that we would see kind of support along party lines. That's not the case. Actually, there is support in many parties. Um, There are local authorities, for example, where I live in the Vale of Morgan we wouldn't have thought there would be any support there. There actually is quite a lot of support. Um, So while I think we do have to be pragmatic that it is likely that only a couple at first will turn for this, it's a long-term plan, we need short support. The biggest thing, I think, is trying to diffuse some of the uh, fears around STV, the fear of the unknown. So let's have a conversation with councillors over the next five years and try and make sure that at least a few of them uh, do this in the first instance and then show how successful it can be and persuade the
0: others or indeed i guess one route may well be that if the first few take up using stv and it works well that it ends up that the law gets changed and it gets rolled out across all of them it may well not be a case of having to win council by council i, I can imagine it could be quite a low number of councils that's the threshold of which it then becomes a plausible and winning sort of political proposition for parties to argue for making it universal. And particularly given that the Welsh, uh, well, Senate as it now is, Welsh Assembly as was, is prone to being, uh, to having coalition governments, and therefore you can imagine, particularly the Dems, perhaps at some point in the future saying, well, one condition of our support is that we, we we you know having seen it works for some councils, we now make it mandatory. Um, I'm not in any way wanting to prejudge what any of my colleagues might think, uh, but you can see how you know that's that's the route by which you know things might get might go, can't it?
1: Yeah, there's this famous um, Ron Davis, former Secretary of State for Wales, quote about devolution in Wales being a process, not an event. Everything's been very slow, incremental. There's been loads of committee reports, cross-party groups. But eventually we do get there. And I'm thinking that this is very much the same. You know, we've only had powers over elections for the last couple of years in Wales. So really, you know, we we have grasped a little bit of a nettle here. So let's see what the next 10 years can do and make sure that it does um, continue to be a process in the right direction.
0: Uh, So one of the other significant reforms which you've touched on is the extending extension, sorry, of the franchise to 16 and 17 year olds. And you've mentioned a little bit about some of the benefits of getting people into the political system at an early age. Um, Do you want to just maybe expand a little bit on what you see as the benefits of that?
1: Yeah, so... Over the last couple of years, uh, we at ERS Firmary have been working with young people. Um, so we did this project called Our Voices Heard a couple of years ago, uh, where we went into schools across Wales to uh, co-produce recommendations around political education. And what we basically found was a couple of hundred young people across Wales who are massively excited about the change that this can present to them and their futures. You know, we weren't targeting... Um, People who would naturally be engaged in politics, we literally approached every single school and asked them to send a representative sample of their students, the ones who wouldn't want to take part in this process. And by speaking to them, you know, young people fundamentally care about their future and they care about the country that they live in. And extending the franchise to them, I think, can only be a really good thing. You know there are traditional rights-based arguments about how 16, 17-year-olds can pay uh, tax, so why can't they vote? But ultimately, I think this is about engaging and making sure that the next uh, generation of voters are more informed, more engaged, and more passionate about democracy than than we were. You know, I remember being in school and never really knowing about politics. So if we can use that captive audience at 16, give better political education, prepare young people for their first vote, the potentials are limited. I think.
0: Yeah, I think that point about how different the experience can be of your first vote if it is while you are at school and therefore in terms of just what the school might do, what your teachers might be doing, it it feels like it could be a very different initial experience. Um obviously not every even with votes at 16 given what years have elections and what years don't have elections, there may be some people who still don't have their first vote at school. But I can imagine that would be quite a different experience for people. And it seems to have worked quite well in Scotland, because I guess going back to your point about sort of devolution being a process rather than an event, um, quite a lot of the things that we're talking about, Scotland has, for a variety of reasons, sort of got to a few years ahead of Wales in that respect. (laughs) But I guess that's quite helpful in terms of being able to look at what's worked, uh in scotland and and the extension of the franchise seems to have been quite effective
1: yeah, but I think it's a very different story in Wales. Obviously, the franchise was extended in Scotland for the Scottish referendum, a kind of historic vote, you know, once in a generation. I'm saying in basic commons vote. So young people were really engaged. It was massively present on all kinds of media, and there was discussions about it in school. The Welsh uh, parliamentary Senate elections are very different. You know, last time turnout was 45% and was deemed pretty good. Uh, so this is a very different kind of kettle of fish. Um, So I think we do have to kind of overcompensate in Wales and make sure that we're doing more than Scotland even did in terms of preparing those young people to vote for the first time. Um, But I think actually things have been pretty positive there. We've been working with the Senate Commission, the Welsh Government and the Electoral Commission who have all uh, developed some really, really good resources ahead of the election. We've been working with the Children's Commissioner's Office who are doing a mass-scale 11- to 15-year-olds parallel election in schools. Yeah. So there's genuinely some really innovative stuff coming through in Wales, and I'm really hoping that that gets to young people and they can actually use it to make sure that they are really informed and excited and engaged in next year's election.
0: And I just, that has just prompted one thought, which is that... I mean, a lot of what we've talked about is how these changes are going to involve people more. But there is an element in the legislation, isn't there, to do with changing the electoral cycle, mm-hmm. moving to five-year cycles, um, which I guess, overall, to me, seems fine in the sense that I think the five-year cycle of the Westminster Parliament is a is a reasonable one. Um, and certainly... The general complaint isn't that politicians think too long-term, it's the politicians are too short termist. So in a way, having more time between elections for governments to be able to do things and and not be immediately worried about when the next polling day is going to be always... I can see there's upsides too. But it does seem to run a little bit counter to the overall ethos. Um, I presume that the key factor there really is just if you want a regular electoral cycle that people can plan around and work around... The five years is the is the number that gradually, intermittently, in a mixed-up, very traditionally British, inconsistent way, but five is the number we seem to be moving to.
1: Yeah, it's to avoid clashes, basically. We have had instances before when... Um elections have been on the same day as each other and i think it's the welsh government's view i don't want to speak for them that that hasn't necessarily been that positive i mean next year we have uh police and crime commissioner elections the same day as the sun of elections that's very different from having welsh local elections on the same day as for example a uk general election so i think they just want to avoid that but um there is a move in parliament i think to in the Welsh Parliament I think to move it back to a four-year term there are a lot of people who feel uh, quite strongly that four years is more appropriate people should have their voices heard at a more regular basis I mean we're we're kind of keeping an eye on seeing how this pans out for now Um, I can see both the kind of avoiding clashing but also more um, more engagement arguments there so I think it'll be very interesting to see how that argument develops next year
0: yeah, and I, I think making a slightly more partisan point than you in the IRS would obviously want to make. <laughs> I think also what this package overall illustrates is you yeah, know the benefits to, to an extent of having the Liberal Democrats in government. Obviously, it's, it's sadly only one minister, Lib Dem Minister, that there is in the Welsh government, but it's something I think, you know, my colleagues should rightly take some pride from that a government that's got a Lib Dem minister in is has successfully put through such a significant package of reforms. It's obviously not quite mm-hmm. the same as a uh, one party majority Lib Dem government would have gone for, but nonetheless, I think it's 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 a it's a good sign of progress. And there's a fun fringe meeting to be had at a Lib Dem conference someday mm-hmm. about whether Nick Clegg or Kirsty Williams has been more successful at getting constitutional <laughs> reform through. Uh, but without wanting to provoke people too much with, with 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 that thought, just sort of moving on more generally to the Electoral Reform Society. I, I guess a lot of listeners will have heard of the electoral reform society will be roughly familiar with it will may well know Lib Dem colleagues who are active in the electoral reform society and so on um but do you want to just say therefore a bit more about quite what it is what the ers does and why perhaps you know listeners might want to join and get involved in your work
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we are a campaigning organisation working towards a better democracy. Uh, We've been going since 1884. So we're one of the, if not the oldest pro-democracy organisation in the world. Um, And basically, we've been campaigning on a number of issues, primarily voting system changes, but also things around the franchise, uh, deliberative democracy, political education, diversity over the last few years that hopefully as a package will create a better democracy. We've got offices in London, Cardiff and Edinburgh. So we're really focused across the nations. I also work in Northern Ireland. So um, it's a really, really exciting time for us. And if any listeners did want to join, uh, they can do so on our website
0: and i will include a link to that in the show notes i notice and again as a member of staff the ers i guess you probably need to be careful about what you say about the internal debates in the ers but i noticed that the last ers agm had as ever some motions debating that question about to what extent should the ers focus on stv versus broader electoral stuff and certainly for me at least it seems that the really crucial thing that makes the ers different from other organizations that are also pro-democracy is that promotion of STV and you know as a somebody very much believes in that as an electoral system that is good mm. it's not just PR in general that's good but it's STV that's good for me that's also a really important reason to join the ERS but I do appreciate there's quite often some debate at the ERS about how much STV should be prioritized so I won't I won't tempt you into getting yourself in trouble with ERS council on that.
1: <laughs> well I think you know our work in Wales really goes to show that Often these things take a package in terms of making them happen. So, uh, we haven't touched on Senate reform yet, but one of the things we've really been working towards is getting STV for Senate elections. But that debate has only come about because of a debate on increasing the size of this Senate. I don't think enough people are dis- dissatisfied with the current um, AMS PR arrangements to enable it to have that debate on its own. So, by linking it to this size argument and arguments around diversity, we have managed to push. Um, at least the conversation on a little bit more around how to reform the Senate and get STV for the Senate.
0: Mm. And I think that's a a really good point about how to achieve electoral reform in general, isn't it, is that what will most motivate the voters to support it is a sense of the benefits that will Mm. be brought. It's the, the theory about political representation and so on works for some people, but it's broadly Know is my health service going to be better? Are politicians going to listen to me? It's that sort of, and for that, however important the electoral system is, crucial obviously, there's a whole set of other aspects as well, and therefore the more persuasive case can often be made for a bundle of reforms rather than just you know just the one sort of ballot paper design and counting <laughs> methodology one. Um, so, that, but that's been really fascinating. So I will include links to the. Uh, to the ERS in the show notes as well as to the piece of legislation uh, that has got through in in Wales as well as a bit of an explainer to how STV works and really encourage anyone who has been impressed with what's been achieved in Wales to join the ERS and to help help uh, the RS work with people like the Liberal Democrats and other parties and people of No party as well, of course, to achieve even more in future. Um, So just before we wrap up, Jess, one final question. If anyone listening would like to learn more about electoral systems, PR and so on, some of the topics we've touched on, is there anything in particular you would recommend they read?
1: So our website uh, as you might expect me to say has some really excellent resources there around uh, voting systems PR for anyone looking for a little bit more detail on what's going on in Wales we do have an ERS summary uh, section there but if you really wanted to get your teeth into uh, new developments in Wales I'd recommend reading uh, the expert panel on Assembly Electoral Reforms really hefty informative report uh, which talks through kind of Senate reform and um, there's uh, a stack of stuff available on the government as well I'm sure you'll include a link to my Twitter so anyway can get in touch with me there if
0: they fancy absolutely so thank you very much jess uh as you neatly worked in the plug for your twitter people can find <laughs> jess on twitter at jess blair seven uh, the digit seven and the electoral reform society at electoral form of course i am at mark pack and this podcast is at bar chart podcast so do look out in the show notes for follow-up links to what we've discussed And if you like listening to this show, please do tell others about the podcast and give it a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much. Till next time.